This morning, I want to I want to ask you a question. What do these things have in common? A calculator, a scoreboard, a checking account balance, and your temperature when they take your temperature at um, the doctor's office. Not to bring up all those things, kind of make maybe little anxious inside, especially when I bring up the doctor for some of us here. So we don't want to go to the doctor anymore, right, Matt? We're done with it, right? We're over it. You're over it. Yeah, take me home. Uh, so uh, all, all these things have in common. Well, how many of you like calculators? You think they're pretty fun? Calculator people, I see, I see hands. I, I love a good calculator, like doing like percentages and stuff like that. So some of those people who like calculators, they also like Excel spreadsheets and they find those very fun. Like <laughs> you can build the world with an Excel spreadsheet, you know. Um, but a scoreboard, a scoreboard, what's a scoreboard for? You look at the scoreboard and you think about, um, uh, you think about like a game and uh, some of you, don't like sports that much and you you know you go to a game and you you're talking too much or you're eating a hot dog or whatever and you're you're wondering what's going on and then you look at the scoreboard and it tells you what's going on uh the time on the clock the score uh where we are in the game all those things yeah what about your checking account balance checking account balance uh that tells you some things too right you can go uh it is pretty amazing too for those of you who are older and and you say, ah, you know, the good old days. Yeah, the good old days where you didn't know how much money was in your account. Uh, now you can figure that out uh, on the road, on your phone. Like, it's, it's good. It's good. But uh, sometimes the truth of your checking account balance isn't so great, right? It's, but, but it is, like, it is what it is, right? It's right there. As you think about these things, and then you go to the doctor, and I think about this, I've gone through some things myself, but this idea that says uh, they can tell, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel? Well, uh, for most of us, by the way, there's usually fall to one side or the other. Uh, some of you, you ask, you ask you how you're feeling, and immediately, without thinking, you say, I feel great. I feel great. And then others of you, uh, you got some issues, but um, uh, if someone asks you how you're feeling, you say, oh, glad you asked. I feel terrible. You know, I got some things going on. And, but when it comes to your temperature, it's just a number, right? It's just a number. They have a machines and they, you know, they shoot you in the head or like, I don't know how they do that now, but uh, they, they tell what temperature is. And, and I, I want to point out that all of these are numbers there and, and numbers that are true, right? They're, they're not disputable uh, that much. Your, your account settings, you know, how much you balance. The scoreboard tells the results of the game, like what's going on. A calculator is just math. If there's just math to do, it tells in the end whether it's this or that. It's not about your feelings. It's about the facts uh, and this morning, we are going to look at a passage that is all about the truth about really everyone's life, but in this context, it's talking about the believer's life looking back, and the truth about the two different ways of where everyone's life will go, two different ways, 
And this morning, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to uh, look at this amazing passage as we've been studying about the relationship of sin. And we're going to see the truth about the, the past and the present, but also where this ends up, where this ends up, this life for all of us. And so hopefully this will be helpful for us as we think about what God has for us. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the last section here in chapter 6 of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 20. One of these verses might be a little familiar to you, and I hope so. Uh, Verse 20 says this, uh, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But, uh, But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, thank you for this morning and thank you for speaking to us in your word and in the person of your son. uh, God, help us now to focus on the riches that are found because of Jesus and may we all be found in him. God, I pray for those uh, this morning that maybe are struggling with where they stand with you. I pray that they would uh, confidently come to know you today through your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to say this right now. It doesn't have anything to do with my message. Um, I know it's a little warm in here today. A little warm in here. It's been warm. And uh, we got air conditioning this last year, but we didn't do enough of it. Uh, And so we're going to work on that to get more air conditioning. More. I know that sounds wrong, but I'm just keeping it simple for us people that we just need more air conditioning. Um, You're going to be okay. I'm sure of it. You're going to be okay. Um, I'm preaching. You're sitting. Um, It's going to be fine for all of us. Um, Thank you. God's word. I want to start this morning in verse 20. Um, We're just saying this. Freedom that was not free. Freedom that was not free. Uh, When you think of your sins, and I've been talking about sins for the last few weeks and just kind of giving a list of them, of some kind of sexual immorality, pornography, drunkenness, um, stealing, some some other big ones that you think of. And some of you, like, uh, I wonder if some of you, every time I say those things, you either cringe or you go, yeah, yeah, and you start looking around, looking for someone to point at, okay? Those are sins. And uh, I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember going to Santa Barbara City College and there was a guy I was in a study group with and he asked me, he knew that I was gonna be a pastor and he was wondering about the gospel and about sin. And he he asked me one time about uh, um, premarital sex and he said said to me, in class, he he leans over and he says, um, Hey, uh, is biology. He says, hey, is premarital sex like a sin? And I 
I didn't say something for a minute, and I lean over and I said, "Yes." And and a few more minutes goes by, and then he leans back over and he says, "Like like a burning in hell type of sin." <laughs> yes, yes, it is. But 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 so is pride, self righteousness. So is fear, fear, worry. It's easy to, to uh, appreciate some kinds of sins and dislike other kinds of sins, but know this, they're all sins. And when we look at God's word today, we are going to look at freedom that is not free. Verse 20, let's look at it. Freedom that is not free. And it's talking about our relationship with sin. And it's talking to the believers and talking about what it used to be and really where that is all going to go and for you. And it's critical for all of us to think this through. It starts out and it says in verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, and, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. He's repeating himself, so I'm going to repeat myself too. Sin is not a toy that serves you. Sin is something that enslaves you. Sin is something you can't get away from. And, and the description of a relationship with sin without Jesus is this. You are a slave to sin. And you can't shovel yourself out of that, right? You can't do enough good work. Some of you uh, are are really into this idea that you can uh, do the offsetting penalties, right? Like you you can, you've done a lot of sins, so you got to do a lot of good works to offset that and the balance thing, right? So you're, you know, you're, you're on the side of the road and you're picking up trash, and you're wearing a vest, not so people don't hit you, it's just so everyone sees you, right? Right? And, and you want people to see you because the, you want them to somehow acknowledge your good works because you think that somehow they get a vote in whether you'd be right with God. I want to tell you that all, the only relationship we have apart from Jesus is we are a slave to sin. Slave to sin. He goes on, and this passage is full of connections, powerful words that that are meant to draw a a fuller picture of what this relationship is like. He says, you're a slave to sin, and he connects it quickly, slave, not being free, to you were free in regard to righteousness. And I thought this was funny. I've read this many times, but this idea of free in regard to righteousness, it's kind of like talking about someone who's a beggar and, uh, and walking past them and saying, oh, you don't have all the problems that it comes to having a lot of money. Yeah, you're, you're free when it comes to like, you, know, you don't have to worry about your checking account. You don't have to worry about your riches, your gold, your silver, because you don't have any. You're free. And when he uses this word righteousness, he's talking about this position this life that is right in the eyes of God, that you're right with him. And he says, oh, you don't have to worry about being right with him. 
You already have a position. You're a slave to sin. And and, and this idea of free in regard to righteousness, when we hear the word free, it sounds good, but then we realize that it's free in regard to experiencing and having the position of being right before God. I want to tell you that um, sin claims that you're free to do whatever you want. But really, uh, you're free about not experiencing the right relationship that only comes from Jesus. You look at this, and this is a freedom that is really not free. In verse 21, it, it, it describes this, and he's describing of your life apart from Jesus, your life before Jesus. Verse 21, he says, I want to describe where that life of slavery ends. Verse 21 Uh, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Fruit, he brings this idea of fruit. He's going to say it again, but this idea of fruit. And uh, is fruit a good thing or a bad thing? Seems like a good thing, right? I like the idea of having fruit. But he connects it uh, with something. What is fruit? Fruit represents a tree, right? You, You... you know, apple season's going to be here soon. You know, it's a big deal in here in Tehachapi. We, you know, we take pictures of us uh, picking apples like it's something, right? Um, I don't know, maybe. Uh, uh, but the fruit represents the tree. And this is a very important question I'm going to ask you right now. It's going to take all your brain power, bring out your calculators. You're going to need to make, this is, this is super important. How can you tell, how can you tell it's a good apple tree? Some of you are answering quickly because you think you're smart and you think you know. For those of you who are slower or maybe just more methodical and you've been to church before and pastors try to trick you with things, so you don't want to answer. It's the apple. It's the apple. In fact, it doesn't really even matter, except on Instagram, what the tree looks like, right? It's all about the apple. It's all about the fruit. And if you want to know if it's a good apple tree, you, you have the fruit, and it tells you if the apple tree is good. It's what it produces. And this is the picture that he's giving here, not of apple trees, but of any fruit, because fruit represents the tree. And he says, he doesn't really even talk about the fruit other than this. What does this fruit produce? Shame. Shame. Sin, sin brings shame. I want to tell you something about sin. Um, and you know this already. I just want to reiterate it. Is there private shame in sin? Yes, yes. You can be sitting in your room or in your house all alone or in your car and you can be thinking about the sins that that you've committed and you can feel guilty before a holy God and you can feel ashamed of who you are thinking that you were gonna be better and you, you weren't, you weren't. Your sin brought shame. 
But wait, there's more. Sin also brings shame to everybody around you. Your sin brings shame to your spouse. Your sin brings shame to your kids. Kids, listen to this. Your sin brings shame to your parents, your grandparents. And that's designed by God, right? There, there's no, like, you know, there's immediate gratification for sin. It feels good for a second, half second, quarter of a second. But then the, the shame goes on and on, right? And what he's describing here is the, the fruit of, uh, of sin is what? It's, it doesn't speak specifically, but it makes us feel shame. Why? Because it's supposed to. Sin is not meant, this is God's universe. He set it up the way he wanted it, right? And so as his design is, if you don't follow me, your sin will bring shame to your life and the lives of those around you. Um, by the way, that should be a motive for us, a motive to walk with Christ. Is I don't want this shame anymore. I don't want to walk this way anymore. This isn't what God intended my life for. I need to change. I need God to help me change. I need the, the forgiveness that becomes, comes from Jesus and him alone. So this fruit represents the tree. The tree is shown to be what? A tree of shame, which brings about what? We're walking through this. We're building uh, really the, where the life of a slave to sin ends. Verse 21 but what fruit were, were you getting at the time uh, from the things of which you are now ashamed? For, for the end of those things, those things, the fruit that comes out of that life, things is death, is death. Is, it's death. Um, as you look at this, uh, he, he gets to the end of the cul-de-sac. He, you look up on the scoreboard and what does it say? You lost. You lost. You're sick. You have no money. It ended up in the place you didn't want to be. Death. I want to tell you that that this is describing, it is giving you a math problem, if you will, of the life of a slave to sin and the life following after Jesus, the life in Christ. He goes on uh, to talk about in verse 22, freedom that is really free, right? He's already talked about freedom that wasn't free. Now he's talking about freedom that is really free. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And it puts side by side one path and really one, you know, how that, how that works out. And now this other path of freedom. What is the freedom that we have in Christ? It's free from sin, free from sin. Um, and I, I want to tell you, I want you to get this. And I, I know I'm belaboring this over and over again. So it starts out, the book of Romans, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We need to be righteous. The only way to be righteous is to be made righteous, justification. And now he comes and and he describes side by side those who have not been justified 
and those who have been. And he says this, you have been set free from sin. Set free. Hallelujah. Praise him. We, we sang a song, praise him. We sing it in the last couple of weeks. I hope that, you know, it's so repetitive. It's almost like the scriptures sometimes. Anyways, but uh, praise him. And I hope that that reminds you all week long to praise him. For what? All that he has done. All that he has done. I, I want to tell you, there's things, you know, this world's not that great and things could be a mess, but there's reasons to praise him. It's for who he is and what he has done for us. Praise him. And what has he done for us? Freed us from sin. That's dramatic, isn't it? Freedom from sin. This freedom quickly goes, and, and it's hard to get our head around that, that when we think of freedom, it's freedom to do what, whatever we want, which is true. We get to do whatever we want, but as a believer, understanding our indebtedness, where do we go from being free from sin? We go free from sin, as what? As a slave to God. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. There's fruit there too. Remember there's a tree and it produces fruit and how do you know what is the production of the tree? What is, is it a good tree or a bad tree? What it produces, what does this tree produce? You get leads you, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. What is that word again? I want you to get this. Another big theological word, sanctification. It's the idea of making one holy, making one holy. It's taking one that is dirty and making them holy. And by the way, that never happens. (laughs) Never happens. Can't do it. Um, You you think about uh, things in life that are rotten, Uh, you know, for those of you who, um, have you ever gone to your refrigerator and you, you're looking, you're grazing, you're grazing and you're looking for a snack and you, 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 you open the, the door and, and then something bad happened in your refrigerator, right? Something died. And, and it's usually like the vegetables, right, or the fruit. And you bring it out and it's, you know, got rotten. You didn't eat it fast enough. And like, you, you, and, and you say, oh, we can save it. We can save it. No, you can't. Throw it out, right? Throw it out. And, and I want to tell you, in that dramatic of a way, we were dead in sin. We were slaves to sin. But what does it say? That he took that which was filthy, dirty, that which was worthless, that which should have been thrown out, saved it, and his process of us is sanctification, changing us to be holy, making us holy when we were not. And I want to tell you, that's not a you job. Like, you can't do that without him. You're a participant for sure, but uh, you are made holy by God's work in you through his son, Jesus Christ. Sanctification which leads to eternal life. You you put these side by side. The fruit of now being a slave to God is there is fruit and it's sanctification. It's a change in you and it's the end point or the last step, eternal life. Eternal life. That's good stuff. So that's freedom that is really free. 
Which brings us to verse 23, the one that you know so well. And I, I would just title this verse, The Final Accounting. The scoreboard at the end of the game. How does this work? And, and it, it's determined by whether you're a slave to sin or not. Uh, or you're a slave to God. Like, where are you at the end? Verse 23 And he brings this final accounting, he brings this final truth to us in black and white. And this is why it's so important that this verse is so important when it comes to sharing the gospel because it puts side by side life with Christ and life without. And the simplicity of it and the truth of it and and really pulls out the calculator and this is what it is. It's black and white. Well, I don't feel like that's the right way. It doesn't really matter what you feel like. This is what it is. Well, I feel like I'm better than a lot of people. Look at the numbers. Here it is. It says on one side, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. He, he leaves this agriculture uh, fruit picture He's talked about this fruit that comes out, and now he's, he kind of goes to a worker world, and most likely the idea of a paid soldier, a paid soldier getting his wages. And uh, you think about that, um, I, most of you have had a job, or have a job, and you wouldn't do that job unless you got paid for it. Right? Like, some of you say, oh, I just love my job. And I say, well, you better, because you're not getting paid anymore. No, I'm not, I don't love it that much, right? I'm looking for the wages. I'm looking for the payment. And if you, you feel like you're good at what you do, you expect to get paid more. And most of us in our pride, we think, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm better than the people around me, for sure. And so the idea of getting paid more, the people that I work with, of course, you know, you work hard, you work with skill, and in the end, it pays off by getting paid. A deserved paycheck. And all that sounds good unless you read verse 23 and you realize the first part is talking about what sin gives you. What you deserve because of your sin. Everyone's a sinner. What do you deserve because of the life? And, and I would say the totality of your life. A, a lot of you say, want to say this. You want to say, oh, I've made a few mistakes. Uh, that's not the way God looks at your life. A few mistakes. He looks at the totality of your life and says, you're a slave to sin and your life is marked by sin. Marked by sin. And so what are the wages of that? It's death. It's death. You might ask the question, this life that I have lived, what does it earn me? It's a simple one. Death. You get what you deserve. That's the deserved paycheck. And I know I'm going on and on about that. And you're saying, why don't you get to the good part? I want you to sit with the bad part first. I think it's important. The gospel is good news because the bad news is so bad. 
sinners get what they deserve. And, and I would even say it this way, and others have said it this way too. Sin promises life, but gives death. It promises life. The, the sins that we're tempted with, we say, oh, you know, I just, you know, feel stressed out. I need a break. I need to go sin in this way. Like, we don't think about it that way. That's not the math problem. You just say, oh, I just want to poke around on the internet, or I, I, I need to talk to my friend. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyways, right? And, and, you, and you think about the thoughts in your mind, and you say, oh, I probably shouldn't think that, but it's true, you know? It's true, And and this idea that sin is somehow pleasurable and it's going to give you life is a lie. It's a lie. Because the wages of sin is death. This is the truth. This is what the scoreboard says. And sinners get what they deserve. They earned it. I want to say this real clear and maybe it's too rough to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. When someone burns in hell for eternity, apart from God for eternity, they got what they deserved. It's justice. Let's talk about the good part. Can we get to the good part? Well, here it is. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord but the free gift of God. So I want you to hear the transition from one word to another. He was talking about fruit, and now he's talking about paychecks, people getting what they deserved, and now he says free gift of God, free gift of God. There's a struggle in translation there because it's trying to reiterate that this is not an earned gift. This is a free gift, which is what a gift is, right? It's free. But it's, it's reiterating, it's, it's giving this picture because it's so different than that which is earned, right? The free gift of God is eternal life. And I would say it this way, no services rendered. No services rendered. You see, if, it is a fun time. So I remember when I was in high school in the first part of college, I, I worked for my dad who worked for, my dad had worked for a company and it was construction and uh, there, on Friday, it was, it was a great time. Friday, later in the day, uh, my dad or one of the foremen would come with a stack of checks and they would just, you know, you'd stand around and he'd hand out the checks. It was so great. It was so gratifying, right? Because you knew you were getting one, right? Uh, and and, you know, you'd look at it and get your name and then they'd hand it to you. And there was this transaction there. He's like, I worked, you paid. But I want to tell you that the free gift is not like that. It's like sitting in a crowd and saying, I don't deserve any of this. I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> They're not going to call my name because I don't, you know, the thing I deserve is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. The free gift is just that. It's a free gift. No services rendered. Nothing I have done to deserve. But I was handed something. Handed something. And what is it? Eternal life. Eternal life. Life forever. And we could talk a long time about eternal life. Why is eternal life so great? Well, it's always life, right? It's, a, it's forever life. And those of us who struggled with sickness, 
Why is eternal life great? Because you're not sure what the future holds, but you're sure what the future holds. Eternal life, right? If it's here or there, it's eternal life. I, I, I want to I highlight once again, I, I don't want to try to be too much, but I want you to see that he says, first he says, what you deserve in sin, what you deserve, it's your paycheck, and he could have said what you deserve for following Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He says what you deserved and the gift. What you deserve and what you give. Or he could have said the gift to the sinner is death, right? It's, you didn't deserve death. You just got death. No, that's not true either. But the gift, the gift goes to both. He didn't say that. He used two different words because they're two totally different things. Totally different. One you earned and one is given. A gift benevolent. It's the one uh, gift that's given connected to the giver. The free gift of God is eternal life and it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. Please do not get confused that this is somehow some working that you do. It's only because of Jesus. That's why we lift up his name every week. That's why we come here. That's why we worship him. That's why we talk about him. It's because it's only because of Jesus that we can be saved. Only because of him. Let me give three uh, contrasts found in this passage as we conclude our time. Free from righteousness, free from sin. It's two ways. You're either free from being right with God. You don't have to deal with all the, you know, you you can live enslaved to sin. You're free from righteousness or you're free from sin. I want to tell you that it's good to be free from sin. The things that destroy you, the things that make you feel ashamed, you're either free from righteousness, lost in it, or you're free from sin. Second contrast. The wages of death or the gift of eternal life. You either get one or the other. You get what you deserved or you get what you didn't deserve. Those are the two options. The wages of death or the gift of eternal life. Death, you know, it's that great ripoff, right? Sin promises you life but gives you death. And then this great gift, gift that's better than we understand, the gift of eternal life. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, you either live a life in sin, a life in sin, or a life in Christ. Life in Christ. We sang a song today, about our life in Christ. It's all. It's, it's all that we have, and he's all that we have. I want to tell you, you either have a life in sin or a life in Christ. I want to encourage you. Um, some of you are struggling with this and trying to work it out, and you need some help. We would love to. Brandon and I and other elders and people in the church, we want to help work you through that. Um, don't don't put it off. Don't put it off. Don't say, oh, that's something, you know, I got some really important things to do. 
you know, I need to um, cut the tumbleweeds out of my front lawn. I mean, it's really, you know, they won't be there tomorrow. Um, the, the idea of your soul is so important. It's the most important thing. And so for us to put it off uh, would be foolish on our part. Please uh, join with me in prayer as we uh, conclude our time. God, thank you uh, for the treasure of the gospel, the, the love that you had for us, and the just distinct paths uh, so different of the wages of sin and the gift that you gave us in your son, the gift of eternal life. God, help us not to become confused or walk in darkness regarding this, but rather that we would embrace the gospel and embrace your son, Jesus. God, thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son, and it's in his name we pray, amen.